Welcome back to the Dr. Body Mind Soul podcast. My name is Dr. Jude, and this is a podcast which explores how we can integrate modern medicine and alternative therapies to help you get the holistic health care that you deserve. I will be speaking to healers and seekers, researchers and authors who will share their experiences and the evidence to help guide us all to holistic health. Let's do this. This week, I'd like to introduce you to Susan Batson, a new author of the book Drink from the Well under the pseudonym Eliora, a book centered around the idea that fear is at the root of our suffering. And Susan outlines the learning she has both acquired through experience and intuition to offer us a simple step-by-step process we can all apply to help us navigate with fear rather than be controlled by it. Well, Susan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. And this really could not have come at a better time. Um, Fear is so powerful. Yeah, incredibly powerful. And unless unless you are aware that it is fear as almost a separate entity from you, it really can be in the driving seat of so many of our decisions. And I'm really at a point in my life when this has become very apparent for me. So I'm dying to get straight into the tools we can use to help move us through that, because I think I can start applying them straight away. Um, Now you cover in your book what the three universal human fears were. And I found this so incredible. It made me feel a lot less alone. It made it, it made my fears make so much sense. So can you, can you share with them? Can you share them with us today? So there are three fears that we all have, every human being that has ever lived. The first fear is that we are afraid we're going to be seen and judged as less than, right? And as a result of being seen and judged, we're going to be rejected or hurt or um, cast out or punished. So that's the first fear. Just think about how much of your life you spend worrying about what other people think of you, how they see you, how they're judging you. So pervasive. The second fear is a fear we're not going to get what we think we want and need. And I want you to notice the word think is in there. It's not what you want and need. It's what you think you want and need. And that can be anything from security and belonging, perhaps having a partner. It could be having lots of money or success. It could be external. It could be internal. The third fear that we all share is our fear of losing something important to us. So it could be something important from our life, like a relationship, like belonging, like feeling safe. It could be a house. It could be um, a hope or a dream. And it could be our fear of losing something from within ourselves, how we see, know, and define ourselves, perhaps as a good person or good mother, or perhaps as a loving, a person who is, is loved by another. It's how we define ourselves, our ego, that we're afraid of losing. And those are the three fears that we all have. And if you just stop and reflect for a moment, you can see how they're present almost all the time in our lives. Constantly being triggered. You don't have to have a panic attack 
to be afraid. Afraid, the fear is constantly there every moment when you are unsure of getting what you think you want and need, of losing something important or being judged. Mm, I mean, thinking about my own experience, all of those fears feel very relevant, feeling fully seen, feeling a fear of rejection from my family, from my community, from my profession, um, from how I see myself. So this fear, this, this, this change of identity. So how I fear um, this loss of who I think I am. And um, we're so attached to our identity. It's, it's very scary. And we have a lot of fear around losing that. And um, yeah, and I guess, I guess it all makes sense because our, our our fears are wrapped up in our in our egoic self, and our egoic self is is there to keep us safe. And being social animals, we need to be accepted, and we need to belong, and we need to we need to have our needs met, which in part are from our communities. So, I guess fear is going to be present, but. I guess the steps that you have developed are really to help us live with fear rather than make all of our decisions defined by this fear, which can be so easy to do and really subconscious as well. Oh, it's totally subconscious. The deal is every time you feel a negative emotion, anger, sadness, um, jealousy, resentment, any negative emotion you feel is triggered ultimately by fear. You can go back to what the fear is that's triggering it. Let's say you meet someone who doesn't say hello to you on the street and you're hurt, right? What's the fear? The fear is you're not going to be recognized, that you're, you're not going to get what you think you want and need, which is to feel important, to feel recognized, to be seen. Or that you're afraid that you're being judged and seen by this person as less than or unimportant or they're angry with you, right? It's fear that is driving every negative emotion you feel. And the fear, I guess, as you're speaking of that, is uh, is obviously all in relation to ourselves. It's our own perception of what's actually going on. It's not necessarily yes. a real reflection of That's true. the truth. It's but it's it's the stories that we make up um, about about our current situation. That then, um, but I guess it's if we if we're not aware that it is one our own perception of reality that is driving the sense of fear. And then the sense of fear being a a, sen- a part of ourselves rather than being our whole selves. Right. We're not able to, it's so easy to see how we identify really strongly with that fear and then lead all of our actions and behaviors in response to that narrative that we have made up, um, which is there to keep us safe but in keeping us safe we can also keep ourselves stuck i think by we are trying the, the main goal of of all of our responses to with fear are to help help us keep safe and feel safe but ultimately what they're just doing is they are causing us to feel a lot of pain to disconnect from ourselves, to disconnect from others, to feel 
um, punished and to suffer. So it's there to protect us, but ultimately it's not protecting us. Ultimately it's hurting us and we don't have to live our lives this way. We don't need to let fear be in control. And we all have moments in our life when fear was not in control. We all have these micro moments when we can remember when we felt like pure joy or love or connection, right? If we just took a moment for at this moment and just thought about a, a memory when we felt open and expansive and love and joy, that is a moment when fear is not in control. That is a moment when you are connected to your light. And that's how we enter the world. Open and expansive, that's babies, that's small children. And as we go through life, we learn we need to protect ourselves from fear. And we start taking on restrictions and limitations and subconscious beliefs that keep us hemmed in, that give us the stories that help explain what's going on. And what we do is we start to forget there's an light in us. And we start to live more and more and more in the dark, controlled by fear, responding to fear, forgetting that light is still in there. And so what I have learned and what I've been trying to help other people do is to see their fear and darkness, to use tools to release it so it's no longer in control, so they can spend more time in their light. They can spend more time connected to themselves and ultimately connected to others because fear is not getting in the way. Okay, you've got me interested. Tell me these (laughs) tools, tell me these tools. Okay, so I'm gonna give you three tools, okay? And the first is gonna sound very, very simple. So the first tool is the one I first learned was when I started to meditate, I noticed that if I completely connected with the sensations of exhaling, And then I notice the inhale. Okay, I'm inhaling and now I'm exhaling. I'm completely connecting to the sound of the air, the movement of the air, the movement of my chest. And here I inhale and I'm focusing on the sensations of exhaling. What happens is something quite magical. When you focus on sensation in your body, you let go of thinking and you are in your body. Second step is when you focus on your exhale, you're letting go energetically, mentally, spiritually, and you're releasing everything you're holding onto and you're dropping down and in. And this takes it one step further because meditation is you're focusing on the inhale and the exhale equal, right? This one, you're putting the emphasis on the exhale. So it's not just a neutral meditation where you're focusing on the in and the out. Here, you're focusing on the out, Mm. on the exhale, and that allows you to take another step further. So you're keeping your conscious mind busy by having it focus on the exhale so that the quiet voice within you can speak. Mm. Mm. And that's what I learned. And that was, these were the first two steps I learned to being able to do everything else. Because now every aspect of my life is... Um, I start my day by checking in and seeing where am I being guided to go today? What is it I need to focus on today? From that quiet voice, not from my thinking mind, not from my ego. Ego is always fear, fear-based. You have to find it that quiet voice to start to understand who you are deep inside. The person you were born to be, not the person you have learned to become. 
And you know that person you've been born to be because you can connect with it in those moments of joy, happiness, love. In those moments, that's you being you, not the person you've learned to be driven by fear. Does that make sense? It makes it makes sense. And as I hear you say that, I feel a sense of sadness because um, so much of our, so many of us, so many adults, and I'm sure many of my listeners um, are going to be able to relate to how we have been boxed in either by society or by our families or by um, others to be a certain way. Um, Mm -hmm. And how we've also done that to ourselves, hemmed us in because we are so afraid of of, of that fear of rejection, of being seen. and yeah, it gives me sadness. It gives me, I feel sad that at, at that reality um, and just how pervasive it is. We were just talking um, before we hit record um, today about this concept of some of some fears being intrinsic to us, but some fears being actually from others that we take on as our own. And you were mentioning that there's a technique or two that you have that help differentiate what is actually our own and what have we taken on um, from others. Um, Yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Okay, so one of the interesting things is we feel our negative emotions, especially in our bodies. Anytime you're feeling tension in your body, especially in your chest, your abdomen, your throat, your jaw, it's, mo- it's often negative emotions. It's often fear. And so when I work with people, I'm always like on a scale, I'm on a scale from one to 10, how much tension are you carrying in your body? One is completely calm and 10 is freaked out. You can hardly be with yourself. So it's a really easy barometer to notice what you are actually experiencing at a subconscious, at a deeper level, rather than just in your mind. Because in your mind, you might be like, oh, everything's happy. Everything's fine. And then you notice You can hardly breathe. You can hardly take a deep breath in. Your jaw is clenched. Your throat is tight. That's the fear. You're not even aware of it. Okay. Now, I have to say that this is from my experience as an A&E doctor working in an ER, um, an ED. um, Many people present like this. So many people are presenting with what sounds, well, what is a panic attack, what is a state of anxiety. Um, but the problem often um, in explaining that to them or reassuring that to them is then when we go a bit deeper around, like, are you feeling, you know, are you feeling anxious? When I ask about how they're feeling is that there is such a disconnect with how they're feeling um, or what their body is saying, which is that their body is in a state of total fight or flight Um from their minds there's a, there's a total disconnect because in their minds everything was fine I don't know what was going on like you know I'm I'm not I'm not stressed I'm not stressed <laughs> and, <laughs> and and I and I believe that that's true I believe that that's true at, at, but, a but, but the, at, a, at a conscious level but the disconnect is the awareness of what lies beneath that mm-hmm. and that our minds are so 
skillful in their ability to disconnect from our bodies. Um, and we've been really taught to interpret what our body is actually and has been telling us for a long time until it becomes so loud that you present the to the ER. So I would say the the symptoms that you know fear often presents to me in its most extreme form is what you're saying sort of a sort of tension within often within the anterior of our body so often mm -hmm. you know because this is the place where we have to brace ourselves this is the place that we are protecting ourselves from others from so when we are trying to do that we tend to tense our muscles will tense um that's why we you know tension headaches are across the front of our foreheads we get a we get a, a feeling of suffocation that we can't breathe we get often tightness in our chests it's our body's way of protecting um protecting us um but uh yeah how else would you say that we can recognize so it doesn't have to within yeah. our bodies so it doesn't have to be extreme. You don't have to be having a panic attack, like a 10 out of 10 to be feeling fear, right? Once you start looking, I, I grew up in a family where you weren't allowed to see and feel emotions, mm -hmm. negative emotions. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going on in me. This mm -hmm. was, I didn't learn how to do this till I was in my fifties. Okay. So tells you how much of my life I spent controlled by my fear. And then I started noticing the tightness in my chest and that my jaw grinding my teeth and it was subtle. And I started listening more and more to my body and be like, oh, wow. Okay. Something's going on there. What is, what is it? It's tension. It's fear. So what I have learned over this, like the last 12 years is that many of our interactions with other people involve us taking on their fear. When you meet someone who is, let's say, snaps at you, or you meet someone who's in a bad mood and then next thing you know, you're feeling in a bad mood or you're wondering what's wrong with you or you right. You're afraid that they're judging you or something's going on. That's you taking on their fear. It's you making their what's going on in them your own. And I, I understand for myself anyway, that a huge portion of the fear I'm carrying in me comes from other people. You accumulate Go If you were just to remember a painful moment from your life, just a painful memory, right? When you're involved, especially those that involve other people. So imagine something happens with someone else and you remember this moment and you can feel, you can feel the tension in your body as you remember it. You can feel maybe the sixth feeling in your stomach as you remember it. That's you holding on to that fear from that moment. And a lot of times it's from other people. So then I understood there's a very simple technique that is mind-blowing in how effective it is to let go of other people's fear and keep it off of you, separate from you. Okay, so I'm going to just tell you what it is. What you do is you start to notice what that other person is doing that is triggering you, that is upsetting you. What are they saying? How are they, What's their attitude? What is their body language? What's the, what are their feelings that are triggering fear in you? What triggering response in you, upsetting you? It could be that they raise their voice. It could be that they turn their back on you. It could be that they dumb, they forget your birthday. It could be that um, they said they were going to do something and they didn't, right? Anything that they do that upsets you, 
you start making a little list. You're not interpreting. You're not saying they're trying to upset me. What is it? How are they trying to upset you? They're leaving their wet towels on the floor, even though you've told them how much it bugs you. That's one of mine. Okay. (laughs) Or they're rolling their eyes when you speak to let you know how stupid they think you are. Whatever it is, you're noting it down. Okay. You're answering the question, how? How are they upsetting you? Specifically. And then there are three sentences. The first sentence is, this is blank, the person's name, and the role they play in your life. This is Paul, my husband. This is David, my son. This is so-and-so, my coworker. Filled with fear. You're identifying that they are filled with fear at that moment. This is that person and their role, overwhelmed with fear. And this is that person and their role, expressing their fear by doing this, by rolling their eyes, by leaving wet towels on the floor, even though I've explained how much it upsets me, by turning their back on me. And what you're doing in that moment is you are identifying, you're acknowledging the truth that their darkness, their negative emotions, their negative thoughts and behaviors are the result of their fear. This is how they are expressing their fear. That's all it is. When you feel negative emotions and are focusing on the bad and the wrong and are behaving in hurtful ways, that is you expressing your fear. For me, darkness is that negativity. Negative thoughts, negative feelings, negative attitudes, negative behaviors, that's darkness. That's the way I see darkness. And so what you're doing is you're identifying the darkness that upsets you in that person and you're attributing it to their fear. Now, the deal is we need to take this from a logical thinking game, right? Mind game and make it into something that is more real and more transformative. And the way we do that is you say these sentences out loud because when you say them out loud, it goes from being a thinking exercise to a thinking, speaking, hearing process, right? That's really, really important. You can't do this in your head. You have to speak it. And then what you notice is when you hit home, when you say that one thing that person's doing that really upsets you, you can feel the physical response in your body. It hits home. You can feel it in your chest, in your stomach, and you're just going to breathe. You're just going to focus on your exhale in that moment and let it drain out of you. So as you're doing it, you're going to, so you're saying, this is blank, their role filled with fear. This is blank, their role overwhelmed with fear. This is blank, their role expressing their fear by, and let's say I say the first one is by, um, by lying to me. And I can feel in my chest, I can feel in my body, the resonance that I'm just going to sit with it for a moment and breathe. Cause that takes it from being just a simple exercise of the mind and makes it a whole body experience. And things start to shift and move and release when you do that. You have to, it's almost a form of meditation. As you're doing it, you're breathing, you're focusing on your exhale, you're coming up with your list that you've already written down, right? And you're just going through them one at a time. Does that make sense? Some of that makes sense to me. <laughs> okay, some good. Of, what some of that I struggle with. So okay, 
what I really hear is important is providing a space for you to acknowledge your triggers and in acknowledging the trigger, giving space to the fact that that annoys you, triggers you, frustrates you, you know, you're giving, you're giving, you're giving words to that. You're giving space to that. You're acknowledging that you're allowing mm-hmm. that, which is important. And then I'm really hearing when, when, when that, when that emotion is acknowledged, you're allowing that emotion to be expressed and processed and released rather than stopping it mid track um, or ignoring it or pretending it's not them. I guess by choosing a narrative which attributes your trigger to their fear, I guess that's a helpful narrative um, to support you. Yeah. And I see you shaking your head. There's also other, you know, there's other school of thoughts, which there's also other school of thoughts that I've, that I'm more familiar with or I've been familiar Mm -hmm. with, which states we have no control over why or why people Mm -hmm. have done what they've done it's you know it can be thoughtlessness it can be um it it can just be be any number of things that we do not have control over and so by I guess the, the the schools of thought that I'm more familiar with will bring back into a sort of radical responsibility for allowing our own emotions to be valid and to be processed and to be released. Yeah, that's all logical. That's all thinking, thinking, thinking. That's all thinking. That's all rationalizing thinking. And I want to bypass that. Mm. This bypasses it completely. You don't need to think. This is if the bottom line is this is my this is my truth. This is my understanding of universal wisdom. This is my perspective on it that all negativity is a result of fear. So let's say my son doesn't hang up the wet towels after I've explained to him a multiple two times. He's afraid. He's afraid he's not going to get what he thinks he wants and needs, which is more times with his buddies, more time to have fun, right? More Maybe he's afraid he's going to, to lose something in himself, being the rebel, maybe not being controlled by me. It's all fear-based. And if I can tell myself, if I can take a moment and say, okay, this isn't behavior isn't because he's a bad person. This behavior is because he's afraid. He's afraid he's, I don't care why he's afraid. It doesn't matter to me at this moment. All I need to know is that this negative behavior, this negativity, this darkness is a result of his fear. We don't have to understand why. We don't have to rationalize anything. We're just understanding it's the result of fear. And then the second is saying, this is their fear. It has nothing to do with me. I was just about to say, it sounds like one of the key, the key important features of this approach is understanding that it's not personal. That's right. Exactly. Personal. Someone else's actions are very often, if not all the time, always, always not personal. That person, everyone else is so wrapped up in their own existence and their own lives. So I guess this tool that you're offering is a way in which to make someone else's actions not personal to us. Um, And the under, 
pinning um the underpin of that approach is based on the idea that all of our negative or or dark emotions are based in fear are based and triggered by a fear or a fear of something fearful in us um can i just add something yeah so there's three things happening the first is we're saying we're not taking it personally the second is we're giving us some space between them and us we're saying that's their stuff that's our stuff because so often we're fused what everyone else is feeling we take on and make it our our own so it's it's saying that's theirs this is mine we're saying they are in fear. We know how sucky it is, how bad it feels to feel fear. This And start having some compassion for their stuckness, their blocks, their restrictions. And then we're not taking it personally. So it's a three-part win. Mm, mm. And it's a process and a practice, isn't it? Um, it's a process and a practice to release judgment and to allow ourselves to move from judgment, which is, um, you know, judgment in into compassion and there's there's lots of ways into doing that and lots of tools that have been devised to help us move from judgment to compassion because it's such an important shift um in our own internal state um Mm -hmm. it's so important for us to learn and those are the three steps that we personally use when we're when we can start to own our own fear that's right so Take, take us through those steps because it's okay. very similar. Yes, it is very similar. So the deal is whenever we are expressing darkness, whenever we're feeling any negative emotions or telling ourselves, beating ourselves up emotionally, you know, how often do we spend, you know, you're stupid, whatever, you're telling yourself bad things or you're thinking and focusing on negative or you're behaving in a hurtful way to yourself or others. That is caused by your fear. So you can use those same three sentences. This is me, Susan, filled with fear. You say them out loud. This is me, Susan, overwhelmed with fear. And this is me, Susan, expressing that fear by feeling angry, by being filled with rage, by feeling hopeless, by telling myself I can't do it, by telling myself it's too hard, by hiding in my bed, by not whatever it is you're doing that's hurting you or you're telling yourself. You can attribute to your fear. And what is absolutely magical is that by acknowledging that it's fear that's causing it, you no longer need to express it that way. It's 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 instantaneous. I have I um I have found that I can be in the throes of like s- such powerful anger and rage that I hardly know what to do with myself. And I'll just say, okay. Okay, this is me filled with fear, overwhelmed with fear. I'm expressing that fear by feeling anger and rage at so-and-so. And I can feel the anger and rage just go, gone. It gives you the space to now think and understand what it is you're actually afraid of. Because you're expressing that darkness because you're not understanding that it's fear that's causing it. And as soon as you understand it's fear, you no longer need to express it that way. And the deal is, I know it sounds too simple. And I know it sounds crazy and impossible. And so I invite people just to try it. Because if you try it and you see it works, then you have a new tool. I'm not asking you to believe me. 
I'm explaining this tool is available if you choose to try it, choose to use it, and see if it works for you. I've been teaching this tool to small children who have impulse control issues, like with anger. And they and I don't use the three sentences because they're just like seven years old. I have them say to themselves, wow, I'm really angry because I'm afraid. And then the, then the anger goes away and they have some moments to think about what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So again, it's like just allowing you to separate yourself, like your identity from your right. emotion and your fear. And by creating that sort of degree of separation, you're able to acknowledge it as a part of you um, rather than the whole of you. Um, but it's more than that because it actually goes away. It, you have to try it to see it. Um it actually, the fear, the, ang- the anger, the rage, whatever you're feeling, if you attribute it to the fear by saying those three sentences, by breathing, you'll notice that it's gone. You have space now. So I've written a book. Writing is my absolute freaking nightmare. I hate to write. Okay. And I have had to use this tool over and over again to work through whatever was blocking me. Okay, telling myself I can't do it, telling myself I'm too stupid, telling myself no one wants to read it, all the negative messaging I'm giving myself, attributing it back to the fear so that I could keep moving forward, removing the resistance. I had to just keep doing that. And then the last step is understanding what is triggering you. So I'm afraid to write this book. Well, why? We know there's three fears. Is it fear one? I'm afraid of being judged. Fear two, I'm not going to afraid I'm not going to get what I think I want and need. Or fear three, that it will lose something. It could be all three. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, I'm afraid to write this book because, and I and I asked my deepest wisdom, which number? One, two, two. I'm afraid I'm not going to get what I think I want and need. And for me, that's anonymity. That's invisibility. I'm a person that's really quiet. I don't want to be noticed. So for me to do this, is like the scariest thing in the whole freaking world. And what happens is when you sit with your fear, when you say, okay, I'm afraid to write this book because I'm afraid I'm not going to get what I think I want and need, which is the anonymity, the invisibility, the nobodiness, and I breathe. It goes from being my total reality, that fear, to being just an illusion. It loses its power to control me. And I can move on without that fear in my way. It goes from being that big monster in the closet to something very small and manageable that has no control and I can keep moving. Mm. Because I guess the key there is that the fear is not going to go away. It's using a tool to keep working with fears that come up as you move through whatever goal you set for yourself. Um, Because any um, goal is going to invite you to grow. And in that growing process, there is going to be fear that you're going to come up against um, because you're oh, yeah. stepping into um, the unknown. Um, and so in learning tools to help you navigate through the fears that are going to present themselves to you is a really important life lesson and it's really amazing that you're teaching this to young children um because i mean 
I wish I had a tool. Um, Me too. <laughs> when I was when I was young, just to recognize that um, my inner critic was actually fueled by fear, and that I could acknowledge my fear and I can um, allow it to be there and I can express it. Um, does take the power out of it and allow me to take that next step towards my goal or towards my dreams. So the interesting thing is, is that as a result of doing this work, I am much less fearful than I have ever been. Okay. Cause once I work through the fear, they're not, it's not there anymore to get in my way. It's not just that I'm keeping it at bay. It's released. And now I just keep, I just keep working through my fears. The fact that I'm talking to you on this podcast is proof of that because I was probably one of the most fearful people I ever knew, especially at being seen and heard. And here I feel totally comfortable and relaxed. I had to work through my fears before I talked to you about what I was afraid of was happening, would happen, that you would judge me, that your listeners would judge me. All these stuff, all these fears that I wasn't going to get what I wanted. And I worked through it and it's not there. So it's not like it's just keeping it at bay. You're actually releasing it and moving forward without it. Mm. You might have to hit it from different sides. You know, Mm. sometimes you're like, okay, I got it on this side. Let's get it on this side. Keep moving. But I very rarely feel fear anymore, which is for me a miracle. Mm. I want to acknowledge also the, I want to acknowledge also that fear and so-called negative emotions serve a purpose. I mean, you know, really serve a purpose. And I think that we can- What is the purpose? But the fact is, what is the purpose? Except if you're going to be killed, like if you're in physical danger, fear is useful, right? A tiger is attacking you. You're going to run up, drive off a cliff. Fear is great. But when it's, you're, you're, you're going a presentation at work, how is fear useful to you? Well, it drives you to prepare. It no, it doesn't. It gets in the way of preparing. It can get in the way of preparing, but this is the this is the difference. This is the difference. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a fear that you're not going to get deliver a good presentation if you haven't prepared. So it's going to drive it drives me to prepare a good presentation. Now, if we don't control um, our response to fear then yes, it can actually totally paralyze us and completely sabotage our ability to make a good presentation. But if we also can manage our fear, acknowledge our fear fear is there, acknowledge that we need a bit of fear in order for us to do good work. I think that there's also really, there's there's a place for fear. Same with anger. You know, it's a super motivated, motivating emotion. Should we be angry at the state of our planet? Should we be angry at authority? Should we be angry in speaking? Yes. You know, I think that there's, there's these dark or negative emotions, which may be based in fear. There are things that we need to be fearful of. Like fear is also important if it wasn't important it wouldn't have been passed down from 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 evolution through all of our right because it helps us survive it helps us survive and we do need we need to um i think it's also important for us to acknowledge the importance of fear um and learn like with these tools that we can use it um, to fuel us rather than 
paralyze us, um, which so often can happen, you know? So I think there's a, then there's a fine line that we need to be dancing with sometimes and 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 allow there to be a duality of of, of... oh it's always a duality because mm. as humans we are a mix of dark and light mm. they're both present the problem is that most of us live our lives in the dark very rarely every once in a while seeing our light connecting with moments of joy right what how many times have in your life can you remember when you're feeling absolute joy and that connection with someone else Usually for most people, it's a handful of times. Mm, That really makes you feel incredibly sad. I understand what you're saying, that fear is a great motivator. I also find that sometimes fear gets in the way of us seeing all the possibilities that are, are available, of being able to think broader and wider and have a wider understanding of the situation. Because fear narrows our vision, our perspective. And so it might be motivating you, setting a fire under you to do good work. And yet at the same time, it's limiting what you're able to do because it's defining and restricting your perspective and the choices that you see that you can make. Does that make sense? It definitely makes sense. I mean, even biochemically, that's what's what's happening. That's right. But And there's a place for both. Sometimes we need focus. And sometimes we need possibility. So I think that there's also, you know, there's there's a place for for both. And I completely agree. The presence of fear is not going to allow you to think broadly and think beyond our logical perception. No, 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 not, not just that, but to see other possibilities. Yeah. Or to look at things from another perspective. It's not like seeing, you know, connecting with God I'm talking about. I'm saying that fear keeps you from even understanding that if you looked at it from this angle, it would open, you would, you would have another way of, of doing the work or understanding what's driving someone else that's getting in your way. It's just, uh, it limits you. Fear limits and restricts. And I don't find it useful for me. Um, I usually find that when I can let go of fear, that I'm able to do better work. But that's just come from doing this over and over again and seeing that I used to think that fear was my motivator. And then I realized that fear was always getting in my way but that mm-hmm. just came with time that mm-hmm. it's I, I i do better work and i'm more motivated to do my work when i'm not afraid when you're not i can see that um i can see that and i also like hear my desire to not to demonize any of our or, oh it's or no label, not demonizing or label yeah. or label our emotions as negative and positive because i think they all do serve a purpose what i do think that's I, what I really resonate with what you're saying there is fear does really limit us. Um, and I've seen that play, seen, felt that, seen that, experienced that um, in my own lived experience for sure. Um, and I'm definitely working, working with that and through that. And these tools will give me another tool in my tool belt to be able to try a new way um to see it to, to see how I can manage that better because there's definitely times where fear is in the driving seat and um and when we when we do remove fear from the drive from the driving seats um mm-hmm. yeah more possibilities open up for us I think that's most definitely true so thank you so much um you mentioned before that you work with 
individuals and I think you work with groups. Um, can you outline outline what you what you do and how you share your approach and your work? So um, I do do some one-on-ones, not as many as I used to, because I'm trying to, I'm writing my second book right now. Um, with one-on-ones, I help people to understand what are the big fears that are getting in their way and help them define them so that they can, we can work through them because so I am, I have an ability to help people understand what's happening at a deep level. That's just a gift. And so I help people get in there, understand what is the big fears that are getting in their way, help them sit with them, breathe through them, release them so that they can start. It's almost like changing from the inside out so that they now can move forward without that fear blocking them and controlling them. So that's what I do one-on-one. I've been teaching, I teach courses. I just taught a course on a 10, a 10 class course on making choices. And it was about letting go of the fear that gets in their way of making choices. And it's all, it's not a teaching course where I'm giving you like teaching classes and you take notes. It's an experiential where I'm guiding you through visualizations and um, helping you understand what the fears that are coming up and moving forward. And it's, it's a, taking people to another place. Um, And then I do workshops on using the tools um, specifically. uh, Like usually it's a one day workshop on, I call it creating a light shield between you and someone else or seeing your own fears. And so uh, I have a website, um, www.elioras with an S journey.com. It's a labyrinth that you enter into and you can sort of investigate different ideas from different perspectives. And I'm, going to probably in the next three or four months, put up um, my workshops that people want to sign up for them or my classes. Right now it's just word of mouth. I'm, I'm taking it slowly because for me, being invisible and, and not being seen is, is a work in progress. So I have to work forward slowly. Yeah, graded exposure. And, and... Um, I see, I, I see you making great strides, you know. Yeah, it's never stopping me. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just keep moving through it. I'm just like, okay, podcast, let's do it. <laughs> now it's putting the classes on the website, work through the fears, get mm. through it so that I can do it and not be afraid. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a, what a case study, you know. What a case <laughs> exactly. <laughs> case study um yeah great and so for anyone who is interested in um in doing that please do check out Susan's website I'll put the I'll put the link in the show notes and also um you can check out her book which you can also access through that same website um which yes. has all the tools um laid out for you in inside so thank you so much for for sharing all of these lessons I mean it is really very simple from what I'm from what we're distilling down here um which does make it really easy to take home and put into practice straight away um and i think that everyone here and all my listeners and myself included can relate to fears stopping them and if they're not conscious of that what i would mm-hmm. invite anyone who's listening to do is think of um really spend some time sinking in and really anchoring in a dream 
a dream that they would love, like what they would love to create in their lives, what they would love to create, um, create for themselves. And in when we connect with our dreams, I think what we can really start to pick up is all the fears that get in the way of us actually actualizing and realizing those dreams and I can guarantee it will be in the categories that Susan has um, really clearly identified and that the the fears will be um, umbrellaed within and it just will go to show how important it is Um, to move through our fears because fear is what is limiting us from um, actually connecting with ourselves deeply and our souls deeply. And I really believe that when we connect and live in alignment with our souls, we will really um, experiencing, we will really allow ourselves to experience our most vital and healthy state um i think when we are living in connection with our um our true nature our true calling our true purpose we feel Mm -hmm. vital we feel alive we feel motivated we feel excited and these are all emotions that are allowing us to notice um when we are uh living when we're truly alive, this is our this is the healthiest state we can be that we can be with that we can be in. And um, thank you so much again, Susan, for coming on here and sharing your um, lived experience and wisdom um, with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. Great, thank you so much, and good luck with your second book. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Susan. Bye. Thank you for listening, Body, Mind, Soul Seekers. If you want to connect with trusted alternative therapists, learn more about what they do and how they can help you, check out my new holistic healthcare platform, The Witchy Women. Or if you are a holistic healer that wants to serve and help more people, book in a discovery call with me. Find more details at thewitchywomen.com. To show your support for this podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Thank you all so much. Until next time.